Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Heavenly Father, this is your show. It ain't ever about us. It ain't ever about them. It's about you. So I thank you, Father God, that you guard our lips, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our actions. As the woman you blessed me with said, we don't take this for granted. We know we have something to do. We give you the honor, the glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, please be seated. And we're going to hope our technology works tonight. We've got some slides that you can follow along with so you can see some of the notes from what we've prepared. So um, tonight, um, as you can see, our topic is called Fighting for the Win-Win in Our Relationships. And over the next two Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about conflict in relationships. Um, we're going to talk specifically about conflict in personal relationships. We're not going to be um, really addressing the kind of conflict you have at work with your boss, and we're not going to be talking about the conflict you might run into with the random you know, cashier at the corner market. Because those kind of conflicts, even though we can get into them, they kind of come and go. But the relationships that we have with people like our spouses, our parents, our siblings, cousins, those are the things that reach the heart. And those are the things, those are the kind of relationships that cause us to have joy and peace in our lives. And they can also be the things that cause us to have stress and not want to go home, you know, or not want to go to the family reunion. Those are the things that touch our lives all the time. And so what we're talking about is uh, hopefully by the end of the second session, we will have covered some ways to make those relationships work instead of making them uh, a source of constant conflict. Okay? So I want to ask you um, one thing, though. If you, you may have a, a life that's virtually conflict-free or you may have one that's filled with conflict, whichever whichever your situation, I'm just going to invite you to ask yourself, if you're hearing something, you're thinking, oh, that's not me, we don't have that problem. I'm going to invite you to just keep asking yourself, how can I use this? How can I either apply it to my life? Or how can I maybe pull out a nugget that I can share with someone else? And we're just going to trust God that he's going to give us something that you're going to find useful or that somebody in your life will find useful. Is that okay? All right. Okay. So... Yay, our technology works. <laughs> All right, so what I want to do first is talk about what we're going to cover in the next four weeks. So we're going to cover four basic things. Two weeks, what did I say, four weeks? All right, this is my corrector here. Four things in the next two weeks. It's like the minister's getting ready to run me off the stage, right? <laughs> All right, so first we're going to define what we mean by conflict, and the reason is because we use different words differently. We use language differently. Language is somewhat fluid. And so we're going to define for you what we mean by conflict during the course of this conversation. Then we're going to talk about some ways that we can get into conflict with the people that we care about. And we're going to talk about ways that that conflict can affect us. We're going to follow that with a few ideas for avoiding needless conflict. And the last thing we plan to cover is 
some steps, some specific ideas for how to resolve conflict because we all know that there's no way to always avoid conflict. And if anybody knows how, then send me a note and so I'll yeah. teach that next week. All right. Let's see. All right. So first of all, um, I think uh, Deacon Lee was talking about having an English lesson. I like, I like words and I like to know what words mean. And so um, I took a look in the dictionary just to see what the word uh, conflict meant. And one definition is what's up there now, a serious disagreement or argument that's typically protracted, meaning it's ongoing, it's not just a one-time thing. And if you look at, let's see, another def definition talks about uh, incompatibility between your ideas or your values. In other words, you can't have both things at one time. They don't work together. And of course, I had to look up the Latin and the root and all that stuff. And if you look at that, you'll see the idea of that first word, con, meaning together. And that second word, I guess it's pronounced fligare. I'm not a Latin scholar. But those two together, it, it means sort of to strike together. And then I looked in another Latin dictionary, and it said to beat, so to beat or to dash down. So when you think about coming together, beating and dashing down, it, it gives you a sense of violence, a sense of angry opposition, a sense of um, not just a simple casual, oh, I don't agree with you, but it gives you a sense that there is some malice there, or at least some force and some power in your disagreement. And so when you look at that kind of disagreement, that is what we are going to be talking about over the next two weeks when we talk about conflict. So let me distinguish that by saying with a simple disagreement, you have differences. You talk about those differences. You might even have a little heated fellowship over those differences. But the difference is that when you, when you have the argument, you have the disagreement, it comes, it goes, it's over. Nobody's walking around hurt, nobody's injured, nobody's carrying baggage, and two weeks later you don't say, you know last week when we had that argument, you, no finger, right, no finger pointing. If you have a simple disagreement, you have it, even if it's a little hot, you, you get past it, you move on, nobody's hurt, nobody's, no bones are broken, nobody's bleeding. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about conflict. With conflict, we are talking about people who are in opposition to one another. They are coming together. They are clashing together. And each one of them sees this as a competition they have to win. So have you ever been in relationships where you were in conflict with somebody and everybody wanted to or someone wanted to win? Yes, no? OK. And it's usually not a pleasant thing. So this is what we're talking about, because these kinds of things that go on in your relationship will cause damage. Um, conflict in our relationships can not only strain them and threaten our peace, but they cause deep resentment over time. And the Bible talks to us about anger. If we keep anger inside us, we, it, it becomes bitterness. And that bitterness will defile many. So you may know some people who seem to be angry about something that happened 15, 20 years ago, and it somehow gets spewed all over everybody, and you wonder, what did I do to her? And sometimes it is because there was some conflict in their lives that didn't get resolved. It festered, and it turned into bitterness, and now it's messing everybody up. So I want you to also understand that conflict is not just about the fact that we disagree. It is about the way we disagree. 
So, you know, the two of us can have different ideas about how to, how to do anything like parenting. I think when we were parenting, it was, I don't know. I wanted, Interesting. I wanted to jump off the cliff. I don't know about him. Yeah. I, I always thought I was going to be the easy, the, he was going to be the easy guy and I was going to be the tough parent. I had strict parents. He did too. But I always thought I was going to be the easy parent. Uh, he was going to be the easy parent. And I was going to have to kind of pull him you know, to be a little bit tougher. And it turned out to be just the opposite. And there are things that we didn't know. We've been married 10 years. We didn't know these things about each other's parents until we became parents. And so then we found ourselves having a little heated fellowship here and there, right? Because of all the differences that we, that we experienced. And so those things come up, but we managed to resolve them. It was really hard. So what we're not going to tell you is we have the magic bullet that tells you, oh, you can snap your fingers, do three things that we tell you, and it's going to be over. We're not trying to tell you that, but we are telling you that by the grace of God and with some wisdom, it can be done. All right. All right. So fighting the win-win, we call it that because we want to replace fighting each other with fighting together, right? Fighting together for understanding, for unity, for peace in your relationships. If you have to fight, we want you to fight so that, you know, like I win, you win, we both win. That's the fight we want you to get into, the fight for both of you to win in your relationships. And so I have one final word that I want to say when I'm defining uh, the word conflict the way we're going to be using it. This is something that I'm not talking about. When I'm talking about conflict, I mean disagreements, but I am not talking about violence. We are Christians, and violence has no place in our relationships. Absolutely none. There is no excuse. There is no provocation. There is absolutely no time when violence against another person in our relationships is, is okay. And even though we all know that, I want to stand here and I want to say it to you because even in the church, this is sometimes named among people who are in the church and it's sometimes a thing that people don't talk about. And so I have a slide here and I will boldly ask you if you, um, if you are taking notes, I'm gonna ask you if you would, everybody in the room, if you would, to write down the information you see here and I'm asking you to do that because if you're not having this problem, you may know someone who is, or you may run into somebody in this situation. And it's a tough thing when you find this out, you don't know what to do about it, you don't know what to tell them. But this is real, it's very real. And people don't know what to do. It's a hard thing for people when they're in this situation. So I invite you to write this down so that you will have a practical answer if that, if that ever comes up in your life. And if I don't leave it up long enough, you can always come see me and I, and I have it. Okay, so we're not talking about physical fighting, we're talking about conflict. So now I wanna to talk to you about the conflict cycle. That's what we call it. With conflict, you really have a couple of different elements. And the first one is you've got two people. And yeah, I flipped it too soon. You've got two people who are passionately disagreeing, and each one has a win-loss mentality, and each one wants to win, right? And so the second, the second thing that you see up here is, might be too small to read, but the second thing that you have in a, in a uh, conflict is the weapons that the two people bring to the fight. Remember I said this is not a simple disagreement. This is war in a way. It's a kind of war. So they come together, they disagree, but they are bringing weapons to this fight. They're not bringing understanding, peacemaking, all the la de la de la and the singing, the songy. They're bringing weapons. And so if you, I don't know if you can read them, but some of them include blame, 
Anybody ever heard of that? You did, you didn't, you always, you never. Um, bringing up past wrongs, shaming the person. Sometimes people try manipulation, maybe telling some of the things that you didn't do so well to somebody else you know so they can you know, find out how not great you are. See, these are the, some, of the, some of the things that the, the opponents bring to the fight when they're in conflict. And the use of these weapons and the attitude that causes us to want to use these weapons against one another, that is what makes the difference between a conflict and a simple disagreement, as, as, the way we're talking about it. So let's look a little bit at what the conflict cycle might look like. If I can get that. Uh-oh. Well, we didn't get it. All right, so my tech has given up on me, I think, what? Yeah. Pardon us. Okay. Excuse us for our tech. Let me just, I'll just keep going. We said that um, we, if you're looking at a conflict, you've got two pieces. You've got two people that are in opposition to one another. And then the other thing you've got is the weapons they bring to the fight. And they have all these blame and blackmail and withdrawing and all these other things that they bring in order to fight. Okay, here we go. So just here's a typical way that it, it works out. So you got Joe. Joe says something or does something. Uh -huh. Won't click? Uh, no, okay. it's not clicking. So, okay, I'm gonna have to have my clicker help me. Just hit the arrow on the right side of the keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. Down. Okay, never uh. mind. All right, that's all right. So anyway, what, what you would have seen if you had seen our lovely slide is you'll see that Joe says something or Joe does something. Hi. Yes. Yay. All right. So Mary hears what Joe says or sees what he does. And, and Mary feels some kind of way about this thing, right? So she either gets angry or offended or hurt. And if our next button will <laughs> work, we will have, okay. And so now when Mary is either hurt or angry or whatever she's feeling, she then reacts. And she's reacting out of her anger, out of her offense, out of her hurt. So then she starts to react with blame and insult and all those weapons that we talked about a minute ago. And then Joe is angry, hurt. He's, he's offended by what she said. And then Joe reacts with some weapons himself. And we have a cycle of conflict. Has anybody ever been in a cycle of conflict? If you have, you know that after a while, you forgot what you were arguing about in the beginning. You, know, you were arguing about a fact way over here, but by the time you get into this cycle, what you're arguing about is the fact that you just said something, I'm really mad about what you just said, and I don't like what you just said, so I'm gonna one-up you, and I'm gonna tell you what I think about you so you can just get hurt and mad, and I'm gonna win. Right? And see, this is what conflict does. It gets, we get into selfishness, self-centeredness. We want to win at the other person's, uh, at, at their expense. And so this is, what, this is what conflict looks like. So some of the ways that we get into conflict are the things that we're gonna talk about next. This is what the cycle looks like. And then um, you can come and talk. My husband's gonna talk to you about um, about some of the ways that we get into conflict and some, some, some of the effects of it, and I will work the tech. Cool beans. And this slide is just here because when you get into that cycle, after a while, you don't even know what you're fighting about. Yeah. All right, so in, in fighting for the win-win, it's really important to understand how we get into the conflict 
and how we keep it going. All right, so let's look at the recipe for conflict. All right, let's see. Want to try it? <laughs> the... Actually, I just hit the pad right at the front. Oh, okay. All right. Um, the recipe for conflict. One more button. What causes it? Our predispositions. Things we feel, we thought about. One or more catalysts, there's at least one thing that's going to cause the problem. The fight, adding fuel to the fire, and the conflict cycle. Now, we're sometimes predisposed to get into conflict. And here are a few of the things that kind of give you that itch to get into a fight and not back down and walk away. Unmet expectations. Does that apply to, let me just ask, any husband or wife? <laughs> mm. Clashing values. And that could apply to everyone. I mean, you can be in a dating relationship. You can be with your boss. You can be with your wife. Clashing values. Disagreement over facts. And, and I, will, I will tell you, we worked with a couple years ago, and they relayed a situation. They were both present but it was like night and day how they relayed the situation. And both of them said, this is definitely the way it happened. Mm -hmm. And they actually, you can tell, they actually believed it. Something wasn't clicking. Selfishness and betrayal. Those are some of the items that, I guess, help you to be predisposed to get into a fight. Even if we're predisposed to start a conflict, we usually need a catalyst to start the fight. Any issue, that's any issue. Talk about the rain, you know? Talk about the fact that it's, it's cold outside today and you're ready for summer. There's really anything that can cause a conflict. And since any issue is a catalyst for conflict, what actually causes the conflict is not so much the issue, but it's the mindset and ultimately your reaction to the issue at the time it's brought up for discussion. So you can't say if we talk about the kids, it's conflict unless you make it that way. You can have a bad day at work, um, money issues, even responsibilities at church. The spouse says, you have to do this with the kids. You say, hey, Pastor Say needs me to do this, or I've committed to do, do this or do that. It can cause conflict. Um, here's one that I know it doesn't apply to anyone, but I just thought I'd mention it. Preoccupation with the social media. Whew. Intimacy for married couples. That can be a big issue. You know, I just thought about, and I'm going to throw this in. Remember when Pastor Say was teaching, and he was talking about married couples having sex and singles can't have sex, and he was going, no to sex. I thought that was the coolest thing. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> We okay. still do that? No. <laughs> we do that at home. Yeah, we do that at home. All right. All right. Our predispositions, plus the catalysts, plus the weapons we talked about earlier, yeah. they all add up to a fight. Mm -hmm. It's also important to be honest with ourselves, recognizing the part you played in the conflict. And we'll get into that more. 
A lot of times we want to blame the other person. It's all, but if you really examine yourself, you may see ways that you contributed to the conflict. For example, you can fuel, fuel the conflict and you can keep it going and going and going. You're like the Energizer Bunny because you have something on your mind. Now, it could be the conflict itself or it could be something underlying, something from something else, but this just gives you an opportunity because you're, you're angry at this person for something else. But this conflict is a convenient opportunity and you know that happens sometimes with men and women where the woman will say, you know, it's something simple. You, you left your sock on the floor. And let's just say the wife loses it. And the guy's going, what? It's just a sock. But sometimes there are underlying issues and things that went on before that were never resolved. So they continue to build. They continue to build. It could have been a toothpick. It could have been a sock. But this was just the moment for the blow up. Mm -hmm. Here are some examples of responses that fuel the conflict fire. Now, see if any of you either do these or had these done to you. Let's try this one. Avoiding conflict altogether. Don't raise your hand. But rather than discussing the issue in a calm, respectful manner, some people, they won't say anything. And then the person you're having the discussion with is ready to explode. And when they explode, here it comes, this is when you say things that are mean and hurtful. Um, please remember, and we say this to our folks all the time, once you say it, you can't take it back. Okay? Now, married couples, let me talk to you for a second. You're in a unique position. You know your spouse better than anybody else. You have those conversations. You know those buttons. You know those ultra-sensitive buttons to push. I will tell you here today, do not, do not, do not go there when you're having a disagreement. It's not fair and it's not right. If your wife has a problem with her weight, if, you know, and you bring that up, you're fat anyway. Mm -hmm. you, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Get a frying pan upside the head. Yeah, that could hurt too. But even though you may have resolved the conflict at some point, she'll always remember that, or mm -hmm. he'll always remember that. When you say it, you can't take it back. Shut up. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, next one. Being defensive. Rather than addressing complaints with an objective eye and willingness to understand the other person's point of view, and we do this at home and at work, defensive people steadfastly deny any wrongdoing. In fact, they actually work real hard to ignore the fact that they had any, any part in, in this thing. And it becomes frustrating to the person that brought this to their attention that they don't have a clue. They have a clue. They just don't want you to know they have a clue. <laughs> All right, overgeneralizing. This one's very, yeah, this one's real common. When something happens and they don't like it, some blow it out of proportion with these sweeping generalizations. I know you guys haven't heard these, but you say stuff like, you always, oh, you never, you always stay out late. You never do what I ask you to do. When a person is in the midst of an emotionally frustrating conflict, you very rarely think about when you're making these statements if they're actually true. You just need to get them out. And odds are, they're not true. There are very few people that will do the always or the never. Being right and closed-minded. 
combination of the two. It can be damaging to decide that there's a right way and a wrong way to look at things and that your way is always the right way. It gets real interesting when you have two people that are that way. They're uncompromising, they don't bend, they don't anything. My way is right, your way is wrong. My way is right, your way is wrong. And that's real interesting when you're a married couple. Some people interrupt, roll their eyes, and rehearse what they're going to say next. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Instead of truly listening and attempting to understand the other person, that's because you believe you know what they're going to say. Some people handle conflict by criticizing and blaming the other person for the situation. They're admitting their weakness on their own part as a weakening of their credibility, so they won't do it. So they avoid it at all cost. They'll even try, and, and when it looks like the disagreement is turning back towards them, then they'll start blaming you and telling you things about yourself to try to demean you. Be careful not to do those kinds of things. Making a case on how wrong the other person is, discounting or not valuing their feelings, staying stuck in your point of view and not being flexible. Anyone that's been married for a minute, that never works. This is not, remember, this is not about the individual win. This is about the corporate win-win for both of you. And if both of you are working towards the win-win, you'll get the win-win. If only one person is working towards it, it ain't gonna work. Sometimes people take any negative action from a partner and blow it up into a personality trait. Oh, you're just lazy, or I never did like your mama anyway. Stop another, it. Another frying pan moment. Yeah. Here's a good one. Psychoanalyzing and mind reading. We do this a lot. Instead of asking about the person's thoughts and feelings, people sometimes decide in the middle of the other person trying to get their point across, you already know what they're gonna say. So you jump in there um, and you now respond. First of all, you didn't give them an opportunity to finish their thoughts and you're responding and you're responding to apples when they were talking oranges. And then you go back to, but I'm right, even though you never let the person get their point across. People need to feel that they are valued. People need to feel that they are valued. And it doesn't just mean in a marital relationship, a dating relationship, your coworkers, anyone, church members, people need to feel that they are valued. Okay. Now, now that we're in this conflict cycle, all right, let's talk about some of the effects of the unresolved conflict. You, know, you guys probably know some of these already. You've probably experienced them, some, some of these already. But it's real important. Unresolved conflicts can affect your physical and emotional health and your ability to act rationally. It can affect how you interact with your immediate, your work, and even your church family. Yeah, you know, you can put on that act and come in here on Sunday and be like you're in the Holy of Holies all the time. People are in conflict and you need to get it resolved. Those of you that have exes, think about the conflicts that still exist. Think about how you talk about your ex when you're around your children and what your children hear and what you're teaching them because you have unresolved issues with your ex. No one is saying that you need to get back with your ex, but you need to work on resolving the issues. And I'll tell you uh, why. 
No, let's do this. Have you, has anybody ever been so angry that they say, I hate? I hate you? No, just me? <laughs> okay, cool. I'm glad I'm up here then. That's cool. Okay. There just happens to be this little thing called a scripture from 1 John 4.20 that says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. So remember that, especially when you're, you're at work. I can't stand that person. Oh, I hate that person. Yeah, really? Really, Christian? Mm, okay. You may miss an opportunity to minister to that person. You never know what God has for you for people that you interact with every day. In fact, God may take the one that you call the knucklehead and use that person for you to plant the seed. Well, if you're in conflict with that person, you miss that opportunity. You miss something. So you're on your knees every night. Oh, God, I yield myself to you, my mind, soul, body, my everything. I will do your will today. And then you still go to work and stay away from this person or say things about that person. Tell other people about that person. Really? You know, when you do the God thing, you got to do all eight slices of the pie. You can't do the seven slices and leave one out where you can be yourself. Do it or don't do it, but you do it all the way. Full commitment to God. It blocks your fellowship with God. Remember, remember, the cross, y'all remember the cross, right? Cross go this way, cross go that way. Your vertical relationship is most important. And you gotta have that horizontal relationship. You gotta have both relationships going well and going strong to be the best person that you can be for God. It ain't about you, it ain't your party. It's about God, okay? Thank you. You don't want anything that will block prayers from being answered. Your happiness and your ability to function. And here's something that maybe will help you to resolve it and let go. Whenever you are in conflict with someone, okay, you may say, I don't want anything to do with that person. I don't even want, I'm moving on with my life. If you are still in conflict with that person, that person still controls a piece of your life. And if you don't desire to be around the person that much, why are you letting them control you? How do they control you? Let you see that person walking by and the thoughts or the things you say. Or you won't go somewhere or do something because you know that person's going to be there. Really? Can I say grow up? Is that okay? <laughs> you are adults. Greater than that, you are mighty men and women of God. Thank you, Lord. We need to act apart. Okay? It's important to resolve your conflicts because, as you know, tomorrow's not promised. You only have a few opportunities to get it right. Only a few opportunities to get it right. And you need to get it right. And let me say right now that those of you that have issues with your parents, especially some of you older folk, your parents aren't going to be here that long, I would prefer, and I grew up Catholic and we used to have them 45 minute funerals. I would really prefer that during the funeral that you don't get up with your unresolved issues and want to talk for an hour and a half because you didn't resolve the issues with mama or daddy before they died. Get it right. Get it done. Do what you're supposed to do. Uh, real quick, my, uh, my parents are both gone. They died, I think my mother died maybe about three 12 years. 12 and 11. Yeah. So, so. yeah. 
And um, they were in the veteran's home in South Jersey. And um, before they died, you know, they were in a room together. I have two older brothers, and we would visit my parents a lot. I visited them the least because I'm here. My brothers are in New Jersey, but we still visited a lot. And the people in the veteran's home would tell us, you know, man, you guys are always coming to see your parents. We have people that, whose children are here in town, and they never come to see their parents. They never come to see their parents. No holidays, nothing. It's a burden for them to come and pick up their parents. They won't do it. They put them in the home, and that's it. Okay, so then you have that funeral, and they're all on the floor. Oh, mama, I'm so sorry. Oh, mama, just like imitation of life. Okay, remember that? Yeah, yeah. You don't want that to happen. Resolve the issue for God first, and then for you. Resolve the issue. All right. I think I'm done, right? Okay. So we do a quick review. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I just want to do a really quick review and let you know that next week we spent a good bit of time talking to you about sort of the downside tonight. We talked to you about um, what a conflict is and we talked about what are some of the elements, what are some of the weapons that people bring to conflict and we talked about some of the ways that we fall into it. There, there's a scripture, I think it was Paul who talked about putting aside the mm -hmm. sin and the weight that, that so, I, I'm used to quoting King James, that does so easily beset us, it says in King James. And sometimes we fall into conflict because we have issues like temper that are kind of natural for us, or we have deep hurts, we have other things that cause us to get into it. And so what we wanted to do tonight was kind of shine the light on what conflict is, what some of the ways are that we get into it, so that you can be more mindful before you fall into Isn't it better to not fall into temptation? We like it when we don't fall, right? And so I'm hoping that you've gotten some kind of ideas, maybe had recognized some things that are, um, that are, that might easily ensnare you and, and, and cause you to be the one to either instigate it or to uh, fan the flames. Some of the things we talked about tonight were about fanning the flames. I want to tell you one quick example. When I was in, uh, a kid, I had an older brother for 11 years before my baby brother was born, and my older brother did not like me. He was always throwing rocks at me and, do anything he could get away with. We were suddenly playing cowboys and Indians, and I was getting shot with stuff. <laughs> and so we grew up with this kind of thing going on, and I couldn't figure out why he never liked me. I guess it was because he was a boy, uh, that he just, he just had this thing going on. And I remember that um, we were probably in our 20s, maybe 30s, and my father was explaining to me what used to happen. I said to him, I don't know why we always end up in these big arguments. I could never figure out why we even started them. And my father said he knew why. And he explained to me that my brother, who you know, was always mad at me anyway, would say something, I guess, to provoke me. And I had a smart aleck streak. I still do. I have to watch it. I had a really, really big smart Alex streak, and my father said I would just basically kind of cut him with my mouth, and of course I'd be laughing about it. My brother used to just become incendiary. And I mean, he literally punched a hole in the wall once. He would just get furious. And so what I want you to see is that some of the things that we do, even though we didn't mean to start the, the conflict, Sometimes there are things that we do that start conflicts. I was like lighting him up all the time. And so and it was for me, my attitude was, I don't know why we're fighting, but if you're going to come to me, you're going to get it back. That was a bad attitude. But I didn't know that was a bad attitude. So I'm hoping that you can see some of those little devices 
that sometimes we don't notice that can cause you to be in the middle of struggles with your parents or your children or your whoever, all the people in your life. And so, um, so knowing all that, hopefully you can be mindful of that. And what we want to talk about the next, um, the next time is we really want to look at when you're in conflict, when you're having those situations, what you can do, some of the tips that you can um, use to try to get yourself out of it. Um, always, it takes two to tango and it takes two to have a conflict. And sometimes it takes two to resolve conflict completely. But we are people of God, and we know that God is the God of the impossible. There are some, some times when it is too late um, to resolve a conflict. Someone may be gone, or for some reason it may be unwise for you to go back to that person and try to get back into that situation, even to resolve it. And so we will talk to you next week about not only ways to address the conflicts that you might find yourself in, we're going to talk a little bit about how do we handle things when it is too late because you don't want to walk around with baggage and pain and hurt and bitterness um, and take that through the rest of your life and interfere with what you should be doing in your life and how you should be enjoying your life. We don't want to see you walk around with that kind of pain. So we'll talk about some ways to address that uh, um, next week. So. I think that's it. Why don't you do this and then get the cards? That's yours, right? Yeah, it's a okay. slide. I don't know where the bag is. Y'all read that? <laughs> I just got to get my bag. What do I it say? Cards. <laughs> okay. Say it like this. Uh -oh. Watch me carefully. Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. Do it. Thank you. Jesus, my Lord, my Jesus, Lord, my Savior. Oh, that's so cool. I like that. Whenever you feel that a conflict is starting, Say that. Say it just like that. Not get my Lord's table. I want you to take a deep breath. Because you know, like the Bible says, children are a blessing because sometimes we have to be reminded that they are. Okay. When you have these issues with your children, with your coworkers, with your spouse, before you respond, I want you to do that. I want you to take a breath. Jesus, my Lord, my, my Savior. Savior. Let me tell you real quick what that does. It gives you a couple moments to not respond like a knucklehead. It should also, if you're walking the walk and not talking the talk, remind you of who has authority over you. Thank you, Lord. And who you need to answer to and who's responsible for everything that's good in your life, including the opportunity for you to get along with people. Trust me, use it. It will work if you take the time to do it. Because with Jesus on your mind, there won't be expletives on your mind. Mm -hmm. With Jesus on your mind, 
There won't be negative thoughts on your mind. With Jesus on your mind, you will see Jesus in that person, no matter how they're acting and what they're doing to you, and you will respond in kind. One more time. Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. It just flows. Try it, okay? Cool beans, what's next? Well, thank you so much. We have uh, presented everything we wanted to tell you for tonight, but we have some little index cards that we're gonna leave just at the edge of the stage because we wanted to, we're, you know, we're used to teaching people and getting feedback as we go. And so we thought that what we would do since we are coming back next week, um, if we don't get fired, is um, we <laughs> wanted to give, give you a chance. I'm not even gonna look at it. <laughs> I wanted to give you a chance to just write down if you have any questions from anything that we talked about or if you have some things that you want us to cover next week. And uh, to the extent that we can, we will. If there are things that we need to pass along to the ministry staff, we'll do that. But we just want to get your feedback and your questions and anything you want to provide for us, we'll, we'll put them down here. And if later on you want some notes, we'll tell you next week how you can get notes if you want to get some And if you need us to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, just let us know that on the card. Because so, it's all about him. we got to get it. you back take him. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location. 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.